Uh, whenever you're ready, just go ahead and start recording on your side. Uh, yeah, and three, two, one. Okay, so uh, two fifty-five. Is that that right? Two fifty-five. The exact amount of fucks I used to have before we started the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems about right. It's also the n number of samples that you can get if you multiply out by however many spaces it's supposed to be to the whatever power for digitization and sampling because you get 256 of something okay and- settle down mr wizard let's just get with the fucking show no one's on here for fucking your math okay the following show will destroy your self-worth with excessive expletives overtly descriptive sexual deviance and more desperation for external validation than any so-called entertainment should ever be allowed Two talentless losers who are about as insightful and provocative as a comatose jellyfish. Cinema Psyops. A tendency to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences and to whose hands a publication of this sort may fall. So if someone of a dirty bird gets hold of your stuff and it makes them a dirtier bird, then it's labeled obscene. Encouraging the lowest, most base, and animalistic of desires to all who will listen. Because we, as a society, have decided that a cinema psyops represents our base and vulgar impulses, and that acknowledging our use of it rattles our collective conscience. I was trying my best to make a positive impact in the lives of others, but secretly I was involved in a relationship that was taking over my life. Cinema Psyops. It was leaving me wounded and depressed, unable to even manage the relationships that mattered to me. Auditory vermin infesting every aspect of the human condition, spreading their filth and foul disease. The Black Plague Podcast. Cinema Psyops. With Court and Matt. to the 255th by curious week of cinema psyops i am your host court i am once again sitting here all jazzed up and filled with keto chicken parmesan to fuel my rage and uh, aggression and uh, who am i fucking kidding i just had keto fucking chicken parmesan it was delicious and i'm feeling great Feeling not so happy about everything, including the math I tried to do at the start of the show, is Matt. I mean, no one wants to hear that shit, all right? We, if you wanted to hear about your fucking math, we'd have gone to school. But, you know, none of us did. So, there you go. <laughs> I love how upset you get whenever any kind of math comes in, because you just feel so inadequate or something, and then you just get pissy about it all. I just don't like fucking math. I don't know. I, I, I guess that's supposed to mean something to you, but it fucking doesn't. You don't like a lot of things, and I don't fucking go crazy on you about what that means in your life. I don't really like anything. I'm just curious as to why you hate math so much. It's because it's fucking math. Who would like it? (laughs) But, like, don't you have to do some kind of math for the type of work that you have to do? Yeah, and I I don't like doing it. So, (laughs) but I do that because I get paid. (laughs) 
Oh, so if I paid you to have me spout math problems at you, you would be less I'd bitchy be like, about it? I'd be like, God damn, Court, that was a great informational nugget. Why you give me some more of that? <laughs> so give essentially, me some more of that algebra, motherfucker. Come on. So essentially, you want to be a hype man who gets paid to be a hype man for things that you actually can't get into. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got to I gotta yeah, buy you a favorite flave clock and everything? Yeah, that would uh, that would help. Um, I, I would take that. But yes, as, as I was saying... I, you know, if you pay me, I'll, I'll do just about anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm very easily bought. You are the Winston Zedmore of Cinema Psyops. Yeah, if there's a steady paycheck in it, I'll believe anything you say. <laughs> and you have also seen shit that would turn you white. That is also true, yeah. <laughs> Since I've joined up with these guys, I have seen shit that'll turn you white. Like I said, I'm feeling pretty good or not just because I, I had the, the chicken parm. The, yeah. the breading was replaced with almond flour and flaxseed meal uh, mixed together ah. with some Italian... Uh, That'll get you some of that fiber. Italian seasonings and stuff. Yeah, and it really, it does a one-to-one good replacement for breadcrumbs. If you use the milled flaxseed, that's where your real good fiber is. But also, it gives it a sort of um, like a whole grain breading type taste to it. So nice. I highly I, recommend that. I had steak pasta. <laughs> Steakhouse pasta. It's good shit. Yeah, that's it's a weird thing about Omaha. I haven't seen that too many other places, but the steakhouses here are all about serving you pasta as like an appetizer. With uh, it, that and, but I'm I'm saying like this was like uh, pasta made with steak in it. Right, it's good but, shit. Yeah, but there are steakhouses here in Omaha that do that too, though. That is true. They, they yeah. will cut up steak and put it into the pasta as well. And you know, like obviously you can do that on your own, but that's like a that's like a thing here that a lot of the steakhouses do. And I suspect it's leftover steak that somebody didn't finish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that's probably true. Or or it's um. What they'll do is they'll take the tougher meats that they would usually use for a stew and then really break them down so that they're still juicy and shit. But then you need to cover it up and throw it in a pasta it's just a way to probably use unwanted or like the toughest tougher parts of whatever cow they're getting the thing that you would normally grind up and throw into a sausage is what they're probably throwing in there or a hamburger if you're gonna patty down into a hamburger that kind of shit yeah yeah absolutely so that sounds like it might have been delicious so you guys make that yourself yeah my wife made it and yeah it was really fucking good oh you know what might not be so good tonight what's that the movie we're covering Holy shit, dude. Dude. But again, mounds, mounds of stars in this. Yeah, fucking goddamn Pat Morita is our bad fucking guy. Fucking Al. Al's in it. It's fucking Al from Al's Place. I don't know Al's Place. What the fuck is from that? From Happy Days. Oh. He owned Al's. Yeah, okay, so Pat Morita is Al from Al's yeah. Place from Happy Days. It's been so yeah. goddamn long since I've seen Happy Days. I know, that's how I first referred to him in my notes, by the way, because I was like, it's too obvious to go with Mr. Miyagi. Gotta gotta, yeah. gotta pump that up a little bit. Now, did Pat Morita's character of Al take over the place from the other guy, or did the other guy take no, it over? No, I thought the other guy took it over from uh, Pat Morita. Okay, yeah, that's that sounds about right, because... That's what I think, because I think that other guy, uh, uh, he was, uh, I remember him more towards later seasons. Okay, yeah, I haven't watched Happy Days since I was like a real, real little kid, and that was like but, the kind of thing my dad would set me in front of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was- and also, Pat Morita was super young looking when he was on Happy Days. Like, Well, everybody that look- was on Happy Days was super Super youthful. young look- Yeah, I'm just saying, though, like too youthful to be on the later seasons. Like, you know, <laughs> when he started showing his age. Yeah, that's probably true. All when I the remember alcohol is- started taking over. <laughs> All I really remember is that David the Gnome was uh, the father on Happy Days. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. I never really saw him a lot of other stuff, but... No, he did the voice of David the Gnome, which was on Nickelodeon when we were kids, and I was super hooked on that. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Pat Morita playing a bad guy. Kind yeah, of like Eric Estrada. I don't think I've ever week. seen that before either. Yeah, just like Eric Estrada did last week. And then they brought Eric Estrada back to play a different character. It, yeah, good guy this time. Yeah. You know, it's it's really weird that uh, Andy Sinera seemed to like to take popular good guys and, and turn them into bad dudes. That but seems I don't, uh, but to be Pat the thing Marita, so far. Yeah. This point wasn't probably Mr. Miyagi yet. No, this is 1991. So he would have oh, been Miyagi yeah. for sure. Damn, he looked pretty good in 91. I mean,. Yeah, they aged his ass for, you know. <laughs> uh, for Karate Kid? For Karate Kid, definitely. Well, it also doesn't help that you have such a fresh-faced young man as what Ralph Macchio was at the time. Yeah, yeah. He looked like he was 16 up until like the time he probably hit his 50s, and then he started looking his actual age. Yeah, exactly. That, I mean, that motherfucker was probably that old. <laughs> yeah, he looks super fucking young even in My Cousin Vinny and like uh, that Crossroads movie where he's the blues guitarist kid who's like a classically trained guitarist who gets into the blues. Like He looked like he was fucking 16 in those movies, too. That's actually very true. He did. That was insane. Yeah, I don't know how the Machio genetics work, but like, can I get a taste of that so that I can? Yeah. Can I? <laughs> can, can I retain some shit? useful? Yeah. <laughs> Is it like all collagen injections natural, or how does that work? Yeah. Right. Jesus. I mean. Number one, and he still looks good to this day with that new Karate Kid TV show. Yeah, well, it's based on Johnny, so it's technically Cobra Kai. Yeah, oh yeah, it's Cobra Kai. I forgot it is Cobra Kai. Yeah, put him in a body bag. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I fucking hated that kid. I still do to this day. I'm like, if I'm some other parent and I hear him from the stands, I'm like, I'm gonna fucking kick this little shit's ass. Just kill this little fuck. You come down and do professional wrestling moves on him like you're fucking Hagar in Final Fight. Pretty much, yeah. That's that's actually what I'd fucking do. I'd be like, you're fucking done. <laughs> that's it. I'm putting on my bib overalls from back in the day when I was a pro wrestler. Yeah, yeah. We're I'm gonna fucking we're gonna do this. Sweep my leg, Johnny. You piece of fucking shit. <laughs> All right, enough beating around the bush. That seems let's, like, that seems like the, the kind of, real quick, the kind of kid who goes, you know, get him a body bag, that's the kind of kid where I'd go really crazy and say, like, crazy and appropriate, like, yeah, well, your mom loves sucking my dick in front of your dad, asshole, and then, you know, see what happens there. <laughs> then, you know, not get asked to come back to the karate tournament next year. <laughs> the All-Valley Karate Tournament? <laughs> yeah, the All-Valley Karate Tournament. Apparently, I just can't go back. Cinema Psyops permanently banned from the All Valley Karate Tournament thanks to Matt Psyop and his fucking mouth. I'm, I said I was sorry. And with that, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to play the Legion GoFundMe promo. We'll have a little bit of music that is fitting with the late 80s, early 90s kind of thing we got going on with Do or Die. And when we come back, we will have the trailer. This is Bo from LegionPodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time, and when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old-fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand-scale take-a-penny-leave-a-penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, 
at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at Legion Podcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. Big city, big party time, which is very fitting with any Andy Sedaris film that I can think of. Yeah, it's some early 90s horse shit right there. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s, sort of that like synthwave thing that rode itself out towards the early 90s in these sort of lower budget films. Much like the music that we will probably hear in this trailer. Do or die. A new kind of game. I have hired six teams of assassins. You are their quarry. And Marita stars as Kane, an international crime lord with a score to settle. You are dead. Nothing to it. Right. Starring Eric Estrada, Donna Spear, Roberta Vasquez, Bruce Penhall, and Pat Morita as Kane. We get hazardous duty pay for this. I hope we live long enough to spend it. Do or die. Get the job done. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, get the job done, Court. What are you doing with your life? Uh, this fucking lame-ass fucking podcast with your sorry, pathetic ass. I mean, holy shit. I didn't know we need to be that truthful. I thought we were going to have a little joking session there, but fuck, all right. Fuck you too, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm programming banking software. Oh, okay. Well, that's nice, too. Uh, <laughs> it's good the, to have a career. It pays the um, bills. It keeps us in equipment for this fucking show because I don't ask money for anybody else, usually. That's true. That's true. You're, you're doing the Lord's work here, Court. You're doing fine. Everything's going to go good. Anyway, do or die, right? Yes. Something happy. Uh, okay, so we open up and we are at the the Molokai Children's Hospital Fund uh, little charity thing they're having. They're having like a luau type thing. It's very nice. Uh, everyone's having a great time. <laughs> and 
And we see Donna and Nicole are there. And they are asked to meet someone very important in the back. And that person is Al from Happy Days. And that's our first clip. I have made a six-figure donation to the Children's Hospital Fund in your names. It is designated posthumously. I know you two are government agents. We have caused my organization so much misery, grief, I am compelled to kill you. You kill us, you won't get 10 yards from here. Please don't think of me so crude. I am a sportsman, a hunter. I enjoy a good challenge. How about you? Can't get enough of a good challenge. That's what I live for. Enough of this. I have hired six teams of assassins. They are the very best. You are the quarry. Why go to all this trouble to kill us? Your skills are legendary. It would undermine my reputation for fair play if we should end your illustrious lives without first giving you an opportunity to use all your resources which you have so painstakingly cultivated. So this challenge, this game, is to satisfy your sense of honor? My sense of humor. You're mad. You are dead. The game begins at noon tomorrow. You will know all you need to know about me by game's end. Or perhaps you will learn more than you need to know if you die before the game ends. I shall be watching with great interest. Who are you? Masakane Kaneshiro. You Americans like to call me King. Not now. Later. This hot water is going to be great for my ankle. Besides, don't you do your best thinking in here? You have a problem with that? No, I was just checking. I think it's time to inform Lucas. I want you both out of there by dawn. Head over here to Las Vegas. Norm G is doing business about 20 miles outside of town. He has a device I know will come in handy. Where should we go from there? I'm going to need some time to formulate a plan. Norm will give you your orders when you get there. Donna, if Kane revealed himself to you, he intends to see you dead. You're in a do-or-die situation. Well, it won't be the first time. You ladies are in some hot water, so cover your ass. All right, in that point, we also get a hot tub with Donna and uh, uh, Nicole there. So, cool way to start. Uh, I, I got no problems with that. I don't know about you. <laughs> the bubbles and the water were just above the nipple line this time around. The girls didn't sit up like they did the last time they had a debriefing while they were debriefed, if you catch my drift. Yeah, and I think you true. did. <laughs> yes, I, I caught it. Trust me. Although, I am starting to get quite a fondness for uh, Miss Vasquez, who plays Nicole. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Not, not, not bad. Edie is still 
uh, my girl though. Yes, um, Christine Brimhall is is that actress's name, and I I think our Mr. Jensen loves that lady too because he's always posting a photo of her in any of yeah. these movies that she pops up in and or pops her top in. Hopefully, <laughs> well, either way, it's it's all good to me. Uh, Mr. Miyagi, uh, he gets uh, back to his base. And his assistant uh, and slash lady friend tells him that they have a tracker on Donna's watch, which we saw them uh, put on okay. um, earlier. Can, can we Go talk ahead. about this? Yes, just of real, course. Just real quick. Are they or are they not like international sort of super spies? Is that not what lethal ladies are supposed to be? I would think so, yes. Or at least top government agents of a sort that should know to sweep for such things on their watches and or person correct yes you you would think that would be very important yes you would think that would be something that uh people would check out now i understand that for the first portion of this movie when they're sent off and they're being told that they're going to now be hunted for their lives you know in this sort of fair play game that he's sending assassins after them yeah um i get that they're going to be panicky because they have to get the fuck out of town and they've been ordered to do so I get that. I totally understand that why they're in a hurry and why she didn't have time to check her watch and why she's wearing her watch. But that particular watch doesn't have any sentimental value or any particular reason why she needed to keep that on other than it helps her tell time. So it feels like a really convenient plot device that just also, got sandwiched do, into the film for no reason. That thing would cause some chafing on the wrist. You would feel that whatever they put on there. You saw it. It protruded for crying out loud. Yeah, and it looked like a little like ruby type gem. This laser yeah. whatever they call it. it said they said it was a laser microchip. I mean, they just put two words together. Yeah, pretty much. We'll we'll hear more about it later on. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous. It's Star Wars science. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like a sonic screwdriver, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, like it just the name says everything that you're supposed to just accept that it can do anything else that it does. Only yeah. we didn't have Doctor Who telling us that this was a laser chip. If I had no, Doctor no. Who saying that there was a laser chip and explaining how cool the laser chip actually is, then I would buy it. Yeah, know? I'd be like, Oh, okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. That's real science. <laughs> That's real science fiction, I can believe. There you go. So uh, the next day, Donna and uh, Nicole are leaving, and they are attacked by a like a uh, uh, by a helicopter. And as they're driving, some guys are in a helicopter trying to assassinate them. Uh, we get a little chase and everything. Uh, they're trying to shoot like a handgun at a helicopter. That seems a bit weird. I'd be like, uh, you know, I don't know if this is actually working out uh, for us this way. They're also shooting like really small, like 25s. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, that's insane to me. So anyway, then uh, get that one out of there. And they finally have to take cover. And Nicole has this like cane. That actually loads a missile, and they blow up the helicopter. We've already had precedent that they made a crutch that was very similar to this with like a heat-seeking missile. But Nicole, the way that she loads the cane, it looks like it's a double-duty type thing where it was being used for her foot support, but it also is that defense mechanism thing. And it feels more realistic because she had to pull the plug off the end of it because obviously that would blow up the missile, you know, and, and like the little rubber foot that you would use it for a cane portion. You know? Yeah, and you would want something like that because you wouldn't want to block the end of your little missile launcher too. So the the sort of bullshit mechanics of this makes a hell of a lot more sense than the bullshit mechanics of the crutch that the Abilene guy carried. So like they actually learned a little bit, and this one felt just enough of like a low enough James Bond that when she loaded it up and fired it, I kind of went banana banana banana. That or are we so beaten up? 
from the gadgets that now we're just kind of desensitized to it. Either that or maybe I am getting a crush enough on Miss Vasquez where as long as she's yeah. the one doing the action, I'm totally cool with the bullshit that follows. That could be too. We uh, we uh, we we take sides here on cinema psyops. Well, like Donna Spears, right? As Donna Hamilton, like I let a lot of shit go away as long as she's the one that's perpetuating it in some way, shape, or form. So I'm getting that way with Miss Vasquez too. We we at one point were letting Tara get away with uh or Taryn get away with you know fucking war, war profiteer yeah war crimes yeah just because really hey oh, come that, on that little scam yeah that was our defense <laughs> for it it's like that was our come on of course she's fucking committing war crimes but come on <laughs> come on it's it's Taryn come on she's a civilian so there's no accountability come on come on. <laughs> Fucking, we're the worst. Uh, <laughs> and, okay, so they blow up the helicopter, and then the ladies take off on their plane. And uh, Al, uh, it, Mr. Miyagi, he gets the uh, message uh, from his lady friends that Team One has failed. So then the ladies fly out of Honolulu, are heading to Vegas, and they even get some disguises to wear. Uh, while heading out because they're going to head out, you know, towards home base and such. And then we see Bruce hanging out with a bunch of bikers because, you know, he likes to wear that leather vest, no shirt, because that's just, that's what Bruce does. That's, that's, that's Bruce. He also looks really good in it, but I feel like maybe we should have seen Bruce hanging out in the leather bar because of how good he looks in that. And maybe he was like cruising for some dudes, Al Pacino style. (laughs) Da-da-da-da-da-da. Doing a little tango at the Blue Oyster Bar in his days off. Why not, man? Fucking let Bruce live his life. Bruce can't admit that he's also had several weeks of bicurious action. Maybe, maybe Bruce is bicurious. Who fucking cares? Let Bruce live his life. I am not judging him at all. Actually, I'm kind of offended that he hasn't tried to, you know, get up on this bear because I'm really digging the way he looks in that vest. and I, I'll make a, a comment here uh, about uh, the Bruce man. And and and, and seriously, uh, he he is an icon because he doesn't even have a last name. It's just Bruce. Never <laughs> calls him by a last name. It's, Bru- it's just Bruce. Just Bru- he had a, a great pickup line and any bar with anybody. Hey, right, what's your name? Just Bruce. It's just Bruce. <laughs> they call me Bruce because check out my abs under this leather vest. And then automatically everybody drops their drawers for him. That's just how yeah, it works. Pretty much. And uh, I would be like, Bruce, you do you, man. You're doing a good job over there. Keep it up. Everyone's proud of you. So then Bruce gets called in by the boss, Lucas, and they have a meeting with uh, our own Eric Estrada in our next clip. Did you fly in directly from Las Vegas? I got in less than an hour ago. Uh, Lucas, I'd like you to meet Colonel Richard Esteban. Rico. Pleased to meet you, Colonel. I'm undercover, Secret Service, State Department. I requested you for this project. Is this a military operation? No. Both you and Captain Christian are less than a year away from early retirement. My department has the power to authorize that retirement, effective immediately. This assignment comes with hazardous duty pay. To begin, you and Captain Christian will fly to Las Vegas. Don't I have anything to say about this? Say yes. Yes. So, I mean, goddamn, just get some of that early retirement, some of that hazardous pay. Come on, man. So, basically, he said, your career is over whether you want it to be or not. Now come risk your life because I'm demanding it. Yeah, and but we'll get you, you some cash. You will get some hazard pay and blah, 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 blah. So, Eric Estrada is now a merc for lethal. Yes. I don't know, man. It's just fucking... 
All right, uh, cool. Eric Estrada's a good guy. We find out later that he's a real sleazebag. You know what would have worked for Eric Estrada's character? What's that? He could have just shown him this photo and gone, you're going to be physically protecting her body. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Know what I mean. (laughs) Wait, how is he a scumbag? (laughs) We'll talk about it later on when we get to those parts. I mean, I think I know, but I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, (laughs) in fact, I I know it's coming up here soon. So anyway, the (laughs) ladies land and they get get into a car and the car has some guns for them. So everything's cool for them there. What kind of guns did those look like to you? They looked um, like, like a Beretta. Yeah, I was thinking it was like a modified Beretta because it was very boxy like and Berettas have more of a uh, rounded shape at the top. So yeah. it looked like a modified uh, Beretta of some sort. And there was a 45 that was modified to be more boxy and squared off later on in the movie as well. So this movie should have been called Guns, right? Because there were more guns in this film than guns. Yeah, but the last one was called Guns because there were running guns. That we never saw other than that one. We, I mean, yeah, that we saw one, though. I mean, come on, man. What more do you want out of life? <laughs> I don't know. A movie called Guns should probably feature more guns. Yeah, I have a lot more guns. You're not wrong. Uh, anyway, so they arrive at a, another remote controlled air show. So more remote controlled shit. So these are that big m- ones though. They're one yeah. fourth scale or one third scale. And I got to say, they spent some time filming them and they were actually really impressive and really well built and cool looking. They were, I'm, I'm not saying they weren't. I'm just, I'm saying that, you know, you can tell Sedaris has a thing from remote controlled vehicles. I bet that is a hobby of his. I would venture to guess that what Sedaris basically did was he took some stuff to film this event because he was probably participating in it, then found a way to have his actors and actresses show up here as well to deliver a couple of lines and then filmed a couple of things like inside of uh, the campers and things elsewhere to kind of fill it in later. But I bet he was there anyway for a competition and he got production value out of it by shooting some of these people flying their model airplanes. So I am 100% convinced at this point after this sequence that he was a model airplane enthusiast of the highest caliber because he was even into these like one-fourth scale planes that are really intricately built. I mean, they even had like mechanized pilots in some of them. Did you notice that? Like some of the pilots were moving, like they were actually running the controls while the guys were controlling them outside of it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I I have been saying that I thought uh, that... Sedaris was kind of must have had at least somewhat of an enjoyment of remote control vehicles if nothing else then because they've been in every one of his movies so far that we've watched right and we were both kind of suspecting that but what I'm saying is I am 100% certain now like this yeah, clenches well, I was certain I'm saying I'm certain before oh. but yes uh, everything you're saying yeah you're not wrong yeah well I had some doubts because you know me yeah I'm, I'm a skeptic about everything but now I'm convinced 100% that if someone were to tell me that he were was a model airplane or model remote controlled model enthusiast of the highest caliber i would say yes 100 yeah. percent believe it yes you would yeah and i would as well uh <laughs> so anyway um we also see that there are two assassins there one of them is a lady assassin and she decides she needs to get dressed for the murder and then uh, a thanks movie good lord yeah i was mesmerized by this woman the entire time she was on screen while she was getting dressed i've never been so aroused by watching some women put on clothes before in my life i think it may be because she was putting on an all leather outfit and 
part of me was starting to have to deal with why I was so turned on by seeing her yeah, get all dressed up in leather. What's going on around here? But anyway, <laughs> thanks, I don't, movie. Yeah, thank you very much, movie. And this is the sexiest dressing scene I've ever seen. She, she also gets a really big gun, and she's really excited about using it. And it's like, yeah, you know, this time we're going to get them back. She makes it sound like she's got a personal vendetta, but that's never explored any more than that little offshoot of her saying that. Yeah, you get the feeling that all the assassins have a chip on their shoulder with these particular ladies, with Donna and Nicole, or with the lethal ladies in general, and are relishing the fact that they've been hired to do this. And it's also, they all work for Pat Morita's character so maybe he was wronged in some way shape or form because of them and because that's why he wants to kill him and maybe all of these people are an extension of that so they're all wanting the honor of being the ones that take out donna and nicole yeah the film doesn't really tell you that you have to fill in the gaps in yourself and just kind of make uh, it up as I it mean, goes that's along that's kind of that kind of what happens a lot with uh Sidera stuff is you kind of you have to fill in a lot of stuff all on your own you're really supposed to just be killing time between nude scenes and Sedaris movies. You're not really supposed to be looking for Yeah, you're, you're not supposed to be what we're doing, all right? <laughs> we're Sedarising wrong, Matt. We, if, if Sedaris heard this right now, he'd be like, what the hell are you guys doing? You're ruining everything. You're not enjoying my movies the way they're supposed to be enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, the ladies get there, and the guy who they're meeting gives them a specialized remote-controlled helicopter. Um, they then take off, and the other assassins take off after them, and we get a desert car dune buggy chase. And um, at that point, Bruce and Chips, they show, uh, show up, and they uh, they blow up. They use, like, a missile and blow up the other assassins, killing them. So they help out the ladies. Did you notice that he is firing the China-made battle? rifle from the last film guns yes yes that's what i noticed i thought i saw that thing before i was like, holy shit is that the same gun that they had i mean why not if you still have the prop laying around they probably made these movies one on top of the other i mean well yeah they've been released like some of them more or less just within six months of each other sometimes yeah. too yeah so i'm just saying they probably don't even know which stories are going on right now. Uh, <laughs> Eric Estrada's like, wait, am I still a bad guy? And Sedaris so is like, no, that's a different movie. So am I trying to kill these guys? No, man, different movie, different movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus You're trying Christ. to save them by killing them. Okay, so anyway, the ladies then wonder who would help them, and they keep hearing that uh, their siren's coming, like cops are coming. So they decide they got to get the fuck out of here, and they take off. Um, the four meet at the airport, and uh, the fellow is telling them that they have to work together, and they're supposed to go with them uh and nicole and bruce start making out because they're of course the thing so um and now i'm mad at bruce so it's a thing i, I don't i don't like you bruce <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're an item they kind of fell in love in the desert while she was burning the fuck out of her back on his hot bike while he was on top of her getting sunburned as fuck on his ass and his back i mean what's wrong with that i, I don't know what you're <laughs> the, the discomfort that was happening for them Oof. to be able to have a sex scene. That was, yeah, that was kind of horrific, actually. Still thinking about that sex scene. Like, that's that's not how you do that. But it's kind um, of nice to see that their relationship is flourishing and that they're happy to see each other. And even though they have to globetrot on their missions, that whenever they work together, they work deep undercover, if you know what I mean. And I think you oh, do. I think we do. We all do. They are so deep undercover, they have lost themselves. You're right. I totally get what you're saying. This is a dangerous game they're all playing. Uh, undercover work isn't easy. That's um, not what I'm saying at all. What were you saying? 
sex, dummy. Ah, oh, dude, why you gotta be gross, man? Don't sexualize these people. They're not here to be sexualized by you. Actually, they are. Right, right. No, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Thinking of a different movie. Okay, let's keep going. You lost the Sedaris uh, plot once again, Matt. I did. I'm sorry. I, I'm not making them proud. Um. So then, uh, uh, we cut back and uh, the the owner of Al's Diner gets a message that uh, Team Two has now failed. Um, oh, can we talk about their computer layout yes. screen real quick? <laughs> so she types Please up some stuff. Do. <laughs> she types up some stuff on the fucking computer, right? And yeah. then it pops up on this overhead display, which is clearly just a map with two holes punched in it and then blinking lights that are sticking out the back of it. And on the first time that she shows it, she's like, well, these are Nicole and Donna. This, That's them. You know, we, the, our laser. And that's literally tracker. lights beeping out of like these, like these actual regular maps. Yeah. It's a hole in a map with two lights flashing behind it. And her light is the red light is flashing to represent Nicole and Donna. And then the green light represents the first guys when they first appear, you know, heading upon them like in the helicopter or whatever to chase them down. Then when they get to the air show, they get a notification that they're there again. Then they end up being followed by the people and the people that are tracking them down or hunting them, I guess to get their bounty, they hit this like transponder switch thing. So their light starts flashing and then the map shows where they're supposed to be once again with just a map with a hole punched in it. And if you look really closely at where the other areas were on the map, you can tell where they were before they punched a hole in and then you can look and see where the holes are going to be in the future for the lights. Yeah, yeah, I know. Right. And you're just <laughs> like, what, what the fuck are you guys doing around here? <laughs> And then, you, no one's... you know, you, you can laugh about it later and just be like, yeah, whatever movie. But then <laughs> this uh, this whole entire display, every time someone gets offed by Nicole and Donna or whoever that is at the time helping to protect Nicole and Donna, some weird fucking thing happens where their name just like floats off of the computer screen up to this box that says the death zone. Yeah. And, and then they just their name just obliterates and disappears and like sort of deletes itself and, into a bunch of little particles. And by the way, those effects, not very special. Well, for the time frame that they were made in in the 90s, they were also very lame. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, just this weird fucking thing was like, this is not how computers work. And I'm pretty sure that people in the 90s even knew that that's not how computers work. If they didn't, they should be, you know, ashamed of themselves. Uh, so anyway, now we're getting to the part where, yeah, okay, he's a creep. Uh, because as they're flying to the plane, the ladies are changing in the back. And uh, Estrada's taking full lewd looks into the back while they change. It's, I, um, I mean, taking one look back, noticing that she's changing, and then craning your neck a little bit for a better view and realizing that you just saw her boob, and then turning your head back around to be a gentleman is one thing, but... <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I mean, like, what are you talking about? I mean, like, and then turn your head back around like a gentleman. <laughs> you know, like, partway through that that stare of like being excited that you get to see somebody naked for the first time and they don't know it. Like, there's a part of you as a human being that's always going to be excited and be like, he he he, I just snuck a peek, and you're not going to be able to help it. That's human nature. Yeah. But the longer you hold. That lecherous, leering look, the more of a scumbag that you are. And he held it longer than even the scummiest version of Court Psyops was comfortable doing. Well, and then he, he didn't even just hold it. He fucking then kept checking with Bruce like, hey, huh, buddy? Huh? And Bruce was not having any of that. He wasn't staring. Bruce is trying to be a good guy. Yeah, well, Bruce has got himself Nicole. And yeah. he's all about what Nicole has to offer and he already knows what's going on with Nicole and he has this strange thing that most men lack which is called a healthy respect for women that's weird in a Sedaris film I know 
But I mean, clearly, Mr. Estrada's character is a creep and is completely okay with being a lecherous creep at a bunch of ladies. He, yeah, he definitely is. It's, it's, it's sad. It's really uh, not cool movie. Yeah, not cool movie. Not, not cool at all. So then, um, while they're in there, they decide they need to call Lucas, and that's our next clip. Talk to me. We're on our way to Louisiana. We should touch down at LRB Airstrip by dawn. Do you need an update? I heard you on some company in Las Vegas. Good news travels fast. Anything more to tell? No, nothing you don't already know. All right, we'll convene at Big Pines Lodge noon tomorrow. Good, it's remote and safe. What about transportation? I'll be waiting for you when you get there. What about our team? I'm on it. So, do you remember Big Pines Lodge from a couple of movies ago? Yes. Wasn't that where they all... Wasn't that the last movie where they all met? No, Picasso Trigger. They meet up with the Texan guy when all these people are getting shot. And I think it's Bruce and... um, Or not Bruce, but the Abilene at the time. And then the double agent lady that normally worked with Picasso. They meet up at this place and then somebody tries to kill them with like a gun or some shit. And then they end up in that sort of high-speed boat chase where she comes up behind them in a pontoon boat and saves their ass. That's right. Okay. All right, I got that one. You would think the owners of this particular lodge would not be all that happy that the lethal folks keep showing up because every time the lethal folks show up, something bad happens that makes their business look like shit. Yeah, it always, um, nothing ever goes well for them. Uh, (laughs) No, they fail upwards. Like, basically an organization started by the Abilene's Wood. Yeah, well, fuck, another Abilene. God damn, oh, hate them all. So anyway, (laughs) who likes an Abilene? Tell me. Tell me. Tell uh, me one person. Lots and lots of ladies in these films. Fuck you, Court. Just go fuck yourself. <laughs> Sorry to ruin your day. Yeah, right? Well, we cut to, we see Edie is singing, this time in New Orleans. Um, and she's putting a little of that uh, Baton Rouge flair onto everything there. So, good for you, Edie. Uh, yeah, so she starts off in French, and I'm kind of into it, and I'm digging it, and then all of a sudden it turns into 90s version of modern country, which is essentially Garth Brooks' light, is how she's singing it. Yeah. And I automatically, I'm not ashamed to admit this, Matt, I muted the TV and just watched the performances and the dancing because the music offended me so much, I didn't even want to look for it, regardless of how well she was singing. It was that bad of that kind of country. I don't think anybody would blame you for that, Court. You're fine. Unless it's somebody that is like really into 90s pop country, because that's what it was. Yeah. uh, You know, I don't know if any of them listen to our show. (laughs) It's possible. But on the plus side, Edie's outfit was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it, though? Jeez. That kind of like leotard type top thing that goes into stockings with like a garter belt all in one piece. That is so fucking 90s lingerie. That was like in a million of these 90s erotic thriller type movies. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. And uh, it's good luck. Yeah, it was fetching. I actually preferred this outfit. I preferred this outfit to the outfit she was wearing in the last film in Guns, even though they were more revealing. This one felt more like a sexualized type performance outfit that you would see a tour pop star actually play in where the other movie it felt like she was just in her would be strip outfit and just happened to be singing instead you know this one makes a little bit more sense because you could see someone like a madonna wearing something like this for her performance yeah no yeah you're exactly right yeah um let's see here 
All right, Lucas shows up uh, to pick her up about a new mission they have. And again, Edie really doesn't listen to Lucas when he's trying to explain they have a very important mission going on. I see that becomes kind of a thing or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, yes. Well, thank you. First of all, Edie is so charming and gorgeous, even in the most annoying that she can possibly be, where she's purposely ignoring him just to fluster and frustrate him. You can tell right off the bat that this is a game that they like to play, and the more frustrated she can make him, the more she rewards him later. You're Again, you're also not wrong. Yeah, that's actually very true. So uh, knowing the reward that's going to be coming at the end of all of this frustration and anger that she is causing me makes me find that irritation that Edie is constantly doing charming if I were with her. You know what I mean? Like, wanna, I would be totally wanna, fine you, with you, it. You kind of into a, a girl acting like a brat. I mean, it's not that I'm so much into it, Matt, as that I'm just so used to it. Yeah. <laughs> I have a well, type of girl, apparently. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you do. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, let's see here. So then, uh, well, and then after they talk, they, they bone. So, uh, thank you, movie. Uh, good Lord. I cannot get enough of Christine Brimmel. Good Lord. Yeah. Good Lord Almighty. <laughs> she may help me find religion, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. I, I definitely do. I definitely do. She'll uh, make sure you go to church on time. Um, she'll probably pass out some pamphlets uh, if you want to, you know, be with Jesus and stuff. So I could definitely see probably a, a Mormon type thing would work out best. I just meant she could make me scream, oh, God, all night. Oh, yes, sexual. I'm sorry. I, I ruined it again. I ruined it again. I ruined it. I'm sorry, everyone. I ruined I ruined the movie watching experience again, everybody. I'm uh, I apologize to everyone. <laughs> I love how you try to make things like seem less vulgar and more innocent with me. And I'm just like, <laughs> nope, we're not doing this. I'm plowing right over that. No, yeah. <laughs> literally, you're literally plowing right over that. Uh, oh, if if I could, Matt, would that I fucking could. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the rest of the team then lands and uh, we cut to two cooks at this restaurant and they appear to be the next assassins. They're getting the alerts that uh, the uh, ladies are uh, coming their way. So their accents where they're trying to talk like they're actually from the bayou and that they are Creole, but they're yeah. both clearly like either California surfer dudes or New Yorkers. Their accents are all over the place. You can't really yeah. tell. I think they're supposed to be New Yorkers. Right. So they're yeah. bouncing back and forth with their accents. And I'm guessing this is supposed to be like comedic levity where they're kind of like disorganized doom cuffs if you will yeah we're sp we're supposed to find this funny this is funny court this is what humor looks like <laughs> this reminds me of like police academy seven jesus christ you're gonna go with seven i didn't think it was that bad but okay <laughs> well no it feels like the comedy in seven when it's not ron perlman and they're not in moscow when they're in moscow and ron perlman's not on screen it feels just every bit as painful as police yeah. academy seven that's um yeah that's pretty much true yeah you're not wrong uh good job <laughs> and uh so then um let's see then we cut to Edie and lucas are getting ready uh after you know the 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 boning they just did to uh to go ahead and uh meet up with the group so the team gets to the restaurant where the killers are working and they get conned into trying the killer's specialty food uh 
So he obviously has something he wants them to try. So because yeah, it was you know, going chicken to something almond day or they something. wanted they wanted catfish lemon and he was like you no you don't want catfish lemon you want fucking my catfish whatever yeah well, it was they they wanted to order lemon catfish which he yes. said you could get at any restaurant anywhere but this is special made from their family recipe and they will only be able to get this here and then the lady's like yeah okay. Like, you could tell that Nicole's like, okay, we're really hungry. We don't care. Just feed us some fucking catfish, you weirdos, and get out of our faces. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I don't blame her at all for uh, acting that way because those guys are fucking weird. (laughs) You know what I would have done? I would have just gone and gotten seated, and then I just would have ordered something else anyway. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So... Uh, then we see um, Shane and a new agent are showing up. They're in a boat, and uh, the the this new agent, um, holy gazingas, right? I would, I, I would like to say that this actress is a lot more than two physical attributes that are ridiculously oversized. You look like you would die if she hit you with them. Yeah, but I'm saying this is the the first time we see her. It's the first time. It's the first impression you get. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't even fit all of her on camera in profile no. in this shot. No, that was that was ridiculous. I feel and like yet... this poor actress is going to have immense amount of back pain from that. Oh, well, of course. Of course. How could you not? I just felt bad for her the whole time. I'm like, good Lord, they have to be uncomfortable. It's just like she did that to herself. Okay, yeah. I, all right. So you saw the scars too. We'll talk about that when they pop oh, up oh, later on. Yeah, come on. Okay. Jesus Christ, yeah. of course. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. Come on. Let's let's all be real here. Come on. We'll move on. We'll we'll move on. We're 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 walking a fine line, Court. We can't we can't line. get past it, but we can move on and stop talking about it for now. That's right. Uh, so anyway, the food gets served, and Nicole feeds a cat that was uh, at her feet, and then that coot cat dies. So she stops everyone from eating, and the group chases after those two. Edie, uh, Lucas, Shane, and the new agent show up just in time to follow them. Uh, after uh, you know, after a little bit of a chase here, cat and mouse going, uh, they blow up their boat, and the two uh, would-be assassins are caught and arrested. In the very weird, bizarre form of restraint, they don't murder someone. Uh, I was, uh, I don't like this. I wasn't told, I was told this to Andy Sedaris Lake, and that would get gratuitous violence. They did drop a grenade on them and the guys got out of the boat in time and then the police showed up to arrest them. This felt like Keystone Cops sort of humor. Like they, the whole thing was just supposed to be alleviated silly humor and it fell short for me and the fact that they didn't kill them really disappointed me. Right? Just because I hated like, their characters so much I wanted them dead. Yeah, those are the ones I wanted really dead. I mean, why did they have to kill the nice lady from before? <laughs> right. Can't we just kill someone that, you know, we would like to see most sincerely dead? Yes. Most, really most sincerely sincerely dead i don't want to watch a hot lady get murdered i'd rather much rather watch really bad fucking bayou accented asshats get murdered right thank you it's about time uh so anyway um then we cut to mr miyagi uh coming back from a meeting in our next clip all my meetings are a success we must keep in mind that our business here in hawaii is the first step towards manipulating the American stock market. It's very simple, really. It has to do with a game I call risk tolerance. Risk tolerance? Mm. For instance, in the game of commerce, the risk tolerance is money. 
in the game of death. The risk tolerance is human life. In the game of romance, the risk tolerance is you. Come. I could use some shiatsu. Kane is sly. The only information we got out of the two that we nailed today was that they didn't receive their orders until late last night. In the same time frame as we did. It could be that Kane has operatives inside the agency. Could be. We'll cut off all contact with Washington until further notice. But if we can't trust the agency, who can we trust? Each other. Maybe not even that. I'm afraid Lucas has a point. Where does that leave us? Well, this area is way too hot. Edie, the house on Cross Lake. Does anyone outside of this group know this place? No, no one. Good. We need to cover Donna and Nicole. Can you get us some rifles with night scopes? Yes. How's the security at Cross Lake? Tight as a drum. Edie and I spent some time there. Hell, the walls are even soundproofed. That's good to know. Good luck, Corporal. That's Colonel. Not when I get through with you. <coughs> Better get some sleep. Bobby Ray has a speedboat. We'll leave before dawn. It'll be harder to trail in the dark. So then, uh, later on that night, Donna is showing Estrada the helicopter that uh, they were given, and then they make out a little bit. And so, I mean, I guess Estrada's hoping to get a little something. Kind of forces himself in there, doesn't he? Yeah, he just bit? he just straight up assaults her. That's assault. That is the definition yeah, of assault. Right. He doesn't really like get a he doesn't get an obvious hint that she wants to. He just goes in and grabs her very forcefully and starts forcefully kissing her. And then Don is all like, Well, I guess there's no Abilene around, so he'll do. I, I guess, yeah, I have no idea what she was kind of thinking. Donna could kick his ass if she wanted to. Right. Well, she was like, wow, this former fucking military officer sure looks an awful lot like my favorite California highway patrolman. Yeah, man. I, that gun guy pulled me over and gave me a ticket once, and, you know, I kind of flirted with him a little bit. But, yeah, whatever, whatever. I guess he'll do. Uh, <laughs> I kind of prefer the blonde guy that was his motorcycle partner, but this guy's here now. Yeah, right. Then we cut to Mr. Miyagi getting his wax on, wax off. So that's, I didn't know I was going to see that. So I guess that's that happened. I think we know now why Pat Morita took this role, because this lovely lady is all up on his business, like constantly in some way, shape or form. And he's like rubbing on her body with oils and giving her shiatsu massages or she's massaging him with her labia. <laughs> either, either way, it's a it's good time. I'd like to think that Pat Morita saw this role as a win win. I'm pretty sure that yeah. if you offered me a role where you're like, and this hot lady will rub all up on you for just about every scene that you're in, or she will be naked in front of you for almost every entire scene that you're in, and the most you have to do is strip down to a wife beater style t shirt, I'd be like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, all right. Let's. What was. Why, you already sold me. What do you need? What, why do you keep talking to me? You had me on uh, hot lady rub body part against me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
pretty much. So uh, anyway, so then uh, the group gets to the safe house and they keep wondering who can be trusted. Even so much as kind of turning turning an eye towards the new agent a little bit. Um, Bruce is uh, on watch first. Uh, and so then Nicole interrupts him watching and they go to Bone Town and do some body shots. Interesting way that she does this where she literally comes out with all of the stuff to do shots and she licks from below the navel all the way up to about the middle of his chest with the salt and then yeah. does some of the body shots and this was actually of all of the sex scenes that we've had shot so far i found this to actually be relatively the most erotic without any of the silly humor involved because some of the other erotics quote unquote sex scenes that we've seen in the other films they all fall short and they're awkward and weird but these two were very comfortable with each other and the body shot sequence actually worked pretty well it's no worse than any shannon tweed fucking movie of this era that we would have watched absolutely not i mean it, it's about the same thing yeah it's equally er as erotic as that whereas all the other stuff just gets goofy and weird and is uncomfortable to watch like we're about to see when estrada finally throws down oh oh so anyway uh so then uh the next day the ladies are in the hot tub and Estrada's gonna take over and he creeps on him really hard he takes over his watch but he is just completely creeping on him it is really sad yeah gross yeah it's it's pretty fucking terrible uh <laughs> yeah they I make would, estrada's uh, character a real fucking scuzzbag in this yeah like he's been a desk jockey so it's like have you never seen women before so <laughs> he is like really big time into it so anyhow as he's uh watching all the girls we see two more assassins show up and they almost have donna in their sights and they shoot and miss um which allows Estrada and Bruce to give chase, and Donna wants to, you know, hop on a bike and go chasing, and Estrada pretty much says, no way, little lady, that's not where you belong. He so manhandles her, yanks yeah, her so off the bike, and she dresses him down for it, and he just smirks at her like a sexist fucking pig going, you can't do anything, I was, lady, I got this. I was about to say, welcome to Sexism 101. Yeah, this was the most chauvinistic fucking sexist bullshit I've ever seen. What they should have done is had everybody got jumped on a bike. Estrada's starts. So does the other guy, the Bruce guy that is ending up chasing them. The other two bikes won't start. And then they look down and they've been tampered with. And then where Estrada's taking off, you know, he basically winks at Bruce and says, it's the only way I could have kept her away to make sure she'd be safe or something like that. You know, I get that they're all there protecting Donna and Nicole specifically. I get that. I mean, but he yanks her off the bike like she is a petulant child. And that was fucking wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely wrong. You can't, uh, you can't be doing that, but I will say this in his defense that they, they she's the one they're trying to kill. So it's like, eh, you should probably maybe not be chasing after the people trying to kill you. Right. He didn't have a chance to talk her out of it. That's why I figured it would be like one of those things where like, while she's trying to get the bike started, he reaches down and grabs like the starter coil line or some shit to disable yeah. her bike. And then he hops on one and Bruce and him go and give chase, you know, and then everybody else talks Donna out of being stupid and foolish. Cause I'm not saying that Donna wasn't being stupid and foolish. She let her temper get the better of her there. Yes. Yes. But you don't 
yank her off the bike like that. No, no, not like that. And then that condescending laugh. That was just him being completely sexist. Yeah, that was fucked up. Oh, yeah. Big time. And I can guarantee you a woman like Donna would beat the living fuck out of you for talking down to her and treating her like that. And all she does is dress him down and yell at him. And I'm pretty sure she should have just fucking cold cocked him. It would have been awesome if she knocked him the fuck out and jumped on the bike, too. Oh, yeah, big time. That would have been great. <laughs> so whenever we start making these kind of fucking sexist shit I thought that movies, was what was going to happen anyway. <laughs> How awesome would that have been? She just fucking key on, kicks him in the face. <laughs> he comes to and she's got the guy hung upside down like he's fresh meat that she went to go capture. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> and... um. So they give chase, and uh, then uh, during the bike chase, one guy goes through a plate glass window that for some reason is there in the middle of a forest. Yeah, that yeah. made no sense I, at all. Nope, they just wanted a bike through a plate glass window. I felt and, like it was a trap that was supposed to be set up that like they, they herded them to, like that they set that up, but we didn't hear them say anything about setting up booby traps, and it was just this weird insta-plate glass window out of nowhere that made no sense. Yeah, it was uh, it was some strange stuff. But I, uh, we're about to have exploding get... baseballs, so I guess we'll just put yeah, up with it. I, I know. I'm going to say we're we're really kind of maybe splitting uh, a few too many hairs here because, yeah. So anyway, Bruce shoots him. And then Estrada and the other guy, uh, Estrada's chasing the other guy. And the other guy gets kind of, uh, you know, Estrada's behind a tree. And Estrada has these three baseballs he's been juggling. So he throws two and the guy's kind of laughing at him. And then Estrada pulls out a third and pulls a pin, throws it. The guy goes to hit the ball with the butt of his gun and he explodes and he you know uh dies so you know there you go <laughs> we always have to have uh, some kind of weird gadget in this that's like an explosive device that is a disguised explosive device and there are certainly much worse versions of this that have shown up in the other movies i yeah i i get the idea that he's throwing the baseball at him to basically make him think that everything's fine and that you know he's just acting like all he's got is baseballs especially because he threw the other two balls and nothing happened they're just normal baseballs so. right and they zinged right past him and you actually the character stops for a moment he's like he taunts him about having nothing but baseballs yeah you had a weapon ball you had a you're, you think the baseballs could overtake my machine gun he literally calls it a machine gun i think so no he's the shotgun it was a shotgun, no, says, shotgun. Yeah. i'm sorry my shotgun like, right. Oh, I guess. Yeah, and then right after that, that's when he does the push button thing that activates the explosive baseball. And what would have really made me fucking laugh is if the guy actually did hit it back before it goes to explode and Estrada yeah, right, has to hit right. the deck. <laughs> or I mean, even if they made a camera mistake and the guy hit the ball and he saw it fly away before the supposed explosion, <laughs> that would have been excellent too. But the way they <laughs> cut it together when the explosion happens right as he's taking the swing at the at the ball and like you actually see it start to connect with the shotgun. It it was actually yeah. pretty cool. I mean, the, the the payoff for that worked pretty fucking well. Not it wasn't not half bad. Yeah. It was pretty fucking good. Yeah, uh, the explosion part. Yeah, that that actually really fucking something that was. I was like, see, wow, look at that. They did something right. <laughs> <laughs> what would have been really funny is if they were like the other two balls were the actual explosives and then that detonator once it gets close to them then they explode oh yeah <laughs> so i mean there's so many ways this could have been fucking hilarious <laughs> um, yeah, it falls a little bit short but it's still an interesting idea that they played around with 
You get that a lot in Sedaris films. Interesting ideas they could have played around with. Yeah, like just half developed sort of weird, quirky fun. Like, because it's yeah. it, the, the whole movie's just gone, man, we're just having a good time here. Yeah, we're just doing whatever. <laughs> no reason to get all uppity on us. Yeah, we're fine. Just sit back and laugh, guys. Come on. We're going to show Come you on. boobs in 10 more minutes. Yeah, you're going to, everything's going to be okay. We're all going to be just fine. So then we see uh, Miyagi's getting laid, and then there's an update that the this other team has officially failed. Um, the team they get launched into the death zone as well which is hilarious yes of course and then they decide well i mean like what's gonna uh, what, what are we gonna do here so the uh our good guy team they decide they're gonna split up and then uh donna gives edie her new watch because they all want to synchronize watches and edie doesn't have a watch to synchronize so which you know is completely i guess under fucking standable and edie i'd give her a watch that's fine um <laughs> i think edie pretty much relies on the kindness of strangers at all times i think you're not wrong <laughs> so then um then the uh the the team gun as i'll call them they get to this area where they're able to get the guns and then shame and the boomtastic agent they decide to bone and uh so now you want to talk about scarring go right ahead so they're like in a waterfall-like thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Where else do you make love? In a waterfall. Well, right? usually I do a lot of my meditating in the waterfall because I tend to watch more anime than porn. Oh, see, you have to watch early 90s movies. Uh, everyone made love in a... In, in a uh, waterfall. In place. Yeah. In a waterfall. See, I mean, that's just my, how it happened. My failing is I watched entirely too much Samurai Jack around that time. Yeah. And he always had to do his meditating to power up in a waterfall. That's true. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, everything's different. So anyway, she's like basically doing the waterfall thing where you use a waterfall as a shower and letting the water run down her. And at one point in time when she lifts her hands up behind her head to sort of like rinse out the hair or like flip the hair out to get it fully soaked down to the scalp or whatever, I noticed a scar underneath her right breast and it yeah. looked like a rather prominent scar. Now, I was thinking this was probably a plastic surgery scar, but then I thought to myself, good Lord, what if these are reduced size breasts? What if they were even bigger and she had a reduction? That's no way possible. <laughs> I mean, it could be. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest, dude. There's no way possible. That's not a reduction. That is. Okay, so they those are, are implants. Those are definitely those are implants. implants. Those I are definitely implants. I only noticed it on the right side, though. I didn't because of the left breast stayed where it was supposed to be because she was shifting her body in such a way that the underside of the right breast there was a rather still you know sort of pinkish angry scar compared to the rest of her flesh at the time and that's a pretty common location where they would hide it just underneath the boob for an implant scar so yeah i did notice that and then i was thinking like well how much of this is actually her natural breast and how much of this is silicone and then i'm like how fucking painful is all of this for her upper back and how is she standing upright right now <laughs> Like the, I'm sure nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, and, and the whole time that these thoughts are going through my head, I'm also looking at the, the extremely large breasts going, they look incredible, but they look I, like they I, hurt. I mean, they yeah, they definitely hurt. I mean, you know they hurt. Uh, <laughs> and I just felt bad for her, like, seeing that at the time, and I'm just like, okay, I, I know it's your body, it's your choice, you can do what you want, but are, are you not causing yourself extreme discomfort just to Some look like this? Like that, that, those extreme looks, though, is <laughs> more important to them. I suppose so, but, you know, then the actual sex scenes happens, and the dude is, like, very gentle when he is around those breast areas, trying not to get too overly overly zealous about them, but a couple times, I don't know if you noticed it or not, did you notice the actor that's acting against her was, like, all about staring down at them the whole time yeah, their oh, sex yeah. scene was happening? 
I mean, can you blame him? No, Uh, I mean, that is pretty much I'd be done before I even got started. But I'm just saying, like, I really noticed like he was really staring like this was the happiest moment of his entire life was acting against her in this scene. Yeah, it seemed like that. It definitely uh, seemed like this is probably the crowning jewel of his life. <laughs> it just this. never got any better than that. No, like everything after that was just not as cool as it used to be. Then uh, two more assassins are ready to go, and they we see them driving or uh, on like uh, speedboat, not speedboats. Uh, what are they on? They're on um, jet skis. Jet skis. Thank you. Uh, jet skis. Were they uh, traveling so, under a highway? Were those like the pylon pieces? Like, that or are... bridge, something. Yeah, it was like like a like you know how they put highways between the islands in Florida, and they probably have a couple of them between the islands in Hawaii as well. Were they like yeah. these giant fucking bridge monstrosities that just go for miles and miles in the middle of the ocean? Yeah, that's what it is, right? Yeah, pretty much. I think so. Yeah. Um. So the um the assassins attack the gun folks on their boat. Uh, they're good a boat chase. Uh, Shane, of course, can't hit shit except for a live bird. This was an Abilene that was in the last three movies, yes. right? And yes. it's the same Shane actor, right? Survived uh, for a while, longer than any other Abilene. So anyway. Uh, they uh, join up and uh, they uh, are able to finally, you know, Shane can't shoot anything. So Shane takes over driving and Edie and Lucas break out these new guns they got and blow the two guys away. So those were the Chinese military guns as well that they both had, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like the lethal folks, when they seized these guns, may have taken them for themselves because they are the state of the art weaponry. Well, it's par for the course, isn't it? Right. But like, why couldn't they have seized these guns in the film guns and used them against the gun runners? Because they didn't seize the, the, all the guns till the very last scene. I know. It's just fucking frustrating. I'm still boiling about guns, apparently. You you really, you just, you're like, you want all the guns. Well, yeah, I got to have all of the guns, Matt. I'm going to stockpile all my guns because cops don't help you. That's exactly right. Uh, Mr. Miyagi decides he's going to send his two men as the next killers. Um, the group decides to head to Lucas's place in Dallas because it should be safe. Uh, everyone decides then to get changed in a common area. Uh, so thanks, movie, because that's not bad. Uh, most of the gentlemen were being quite uh, gentlemanly and looking away. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's yeah. getting naked all at once. And it was very uh, Starship Troopers-like in it that was, shower scene. I just thought it was still funny that they're all just, fuck it, you know, let's just so we could change the living room. Uh, <laughs> right. And while this is all happening, I'm enjoying just seeing all of the nudity and nudity in general because all of the beautiful bodies are on display and everybody can have a good look-see at whatever might be loading their boat and that they're into because it's a lot of different body types and hey, more power to these folks. However you want to hang out, you hang out. You know what I mean? I ain't here to judge nobody on what they're doing. <laughs> so yeah, everyone gets to have a little fun. Uh, so, uh, then, uh, Bruce decides he's bringing a trophy. I have no idea what that joke was about, but it was never revisited. Uh, yeah, he does say that he thinks he is the quote unquote, the wild one. Um, Marlon Brando steals a trophy or someone steals a trophy for Marlon Brando in the wild one where they're a motorcycle gang. And oh, he straps yeah. the trophy to the, the motorcycle bars like that. So it's always out in front of him as he's riding free. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Again, yeah, if so a joke needs to be explained, it's not fucking funny. And that's not yeah. funny at all. Yeah. So, so uh, if you have not seen the wild one or are not aware of the wild one and its cultural that, impact. That joke's going to fall real flat. As it did for you. Yes. Yes. Because I, I thought maybe it would mean something later on. And it didn't. 
Uh, yeah, they didn't even so, make it into a bomb or anything useful. It was literally just there to waste like seven seconds of our time. Yeah, exactly. So then, um, so uh, then uh, let's see here. Yeah, everyone at this point starts thinking this Atlantis, the new agent, is the mole. And they all are really starting to accuse her uh, coming up here. So uh, that's not cool, guys. Without proof. Come on. Um, Edie then decides to use, they all decide they're going to have dinner. So they're going to have microwave dinners because, you know, why not? And Edie uses a microwave and the watch starts going off on her wrist. And that leads to our next clip. Hey, look at this. The microwaves from the oven are causing the watch to heat up. That's my watch. I loaned it to Edie. Be careful, it's hot. That's how Kane's been tracking us. By satellite from the location of this laser microchip. That explains the attempt against us on the speedboat. The computer couldn't tell us apart. Nobody else has input access to this satellite channel. Until now. This better be good. Oh, it will be. The ladies are extraordinary. Even surpassed my own expectations. Tomorrow, final day of challenge. I propose hand-to-hand combat, one-on-one. Your women face my men. Face this. I want them, Lucas. Whose army are you in, Nicole? That's not fair. From where I stand, you're either in or you're in the way. Hey, the game's not over yet. You can bet Team Six is on the way. It's time we play by our rules. Gentlemen, you leave for the mainland in one hour. So we had another one of the bad guys. Or no, this was actually the one of the actors was a good guy in Big Trouble in Little China that was one of his henchmen that goes off to kill. I don't know if you recognize him or not. I don't know that particular actor's name, but he's a martial artist and a stunt performer that you will see in a lot of different films. And he was one of the team of the good guys that uh, I believe gives the, the the symbol that the good guys do where they hold their hand up and almost like a oh, kung fu type thing. Yep, like him yep, and, yep. Um, him and uh, Wang's character do that symbol to each other in the elevator on the ride down that's right yeah 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 okay i remember i i knew i've seen him before after this uh donna and estrada decided to bone in the pool and uh, apparently they also were going to do like synchronized swimming type stuff because that's how he used twirling her around it's all very magical this is not the most awkward sex scene i've ever seen in a uh, tub or hot tub or pool of some sort but it certainly is significantly more uncomfortable than the sex scene that he had in the last film. And it's not for a lack of Donna Spears trying to make it work because she is selling the hell out of the eroticism. In yeah. the meantime, Eric Estrada is like, oh, I shouldn't touch her boobs because he's like rubbing like at her armpits just behind her breasts. And now he's trying to be the gentleman. Right. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on so this, here? This is where you got to remember, Eric Estrada, the character he's played is a pig. Eric Estrada is an actual gentleman. Apparently, because he's trying to be like as polite as possible when he was being a swarthy son of a bitch so much earlier in the film. And yeah. like he barely is even like has his hands on any part of her body. And the only time he's like really touching her looks like he's giving her a flank massage, you know? Yeah. And it's like... 
it's like I, I get that, you know, when you rub someone's sides like that, you can actually do it in a very erotic way. But the way he was doing it was almost like if I touch her body, my hands will melt. <laughs> it's I like know, he's, right? He's so intimidated and so uncomfortable. I'm going to be arrested unless Erica, you know, and then there's also the fact Erica Estrada could be a creep. And uh, Donna was like, don't fucking touch me at all during this scene. <laughs> Yeah, but she's had sex scenes with like every actor who has played in Abilene in the well, films. Maybe those guys are cool. I, I, I'm I just saying. Yeah, but I feel like Eric Estrada isn't a creep in real life because like it seems yeah. so uncomfortable and it seems like and, he is the one that is uncomfortable and he is yeah. the one that, that's hesitant to do this. It's almost and like he's be, intimidated by We would have heard about it too by now if he was a creep. Probably, yeah. And like, I'm not saying that he's not. I'm just saying that we have not heard of it so far. And just from what I can tell yeah. from this scene, it seems like he is super fucking intimidated to have this beautiful of a woman just be that naked in front of him and he just doesn't know how to handle it because he's just like it, it looks like the look on his face where he's like please don't get a boner please don't get a boner i have yeah, to yeah, make yeah. it through this come, scene come on come on come on come on nuns nuns baseball baseball <laughs> right like the entire time it looks like he's just trying to like be there on screen and not do something to make her uncomfortable because he's completely terrified he looks terrified See? the whole time so uh anyway the donna and nicole they talked to Mr. Miyagi on the satellite phone on their own and he tells them uh, where to meet his men for the final battle so they're going to disobey orders and just go they, however, are going to grab the remote control helicopter because uh, this is built for just this type of situation, I guess. So Right. They decide they're going to cheat in a hand-to-hand combat-only battle. I mean, I mean, they have been tracked this whole time. So, I mean, one good cheat deserves another. He also uh, told so them they would have until noon and then started at 8 a.m. So I'm yeah, not saying, so I'm not saying that they need fair. to... Yeah, it's, it's not like they need to be, quote-unquote, honorable. I'm just saying that their opponents showed up for a hand-to-hand combat when they showed up with a fucking helicopter no, with not explosive really, missiles. Their opponent showed up with weapons. Yeah, but I mean, this was hand-to-hand weapons. These weren't long-range like nah. fucking rifles or crossbows, even. So anyway, then Donna and Nicole they take on the two ninjas, and we get some fighting. Uh, Nicole uh, has a bat that she's hiding in the tree, and she takes it out on a guy and says, "I'm Batman," and we're, I'm, I'm fucking just shut it. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> then, uh, well, uh, then Donna trips. It, Donna not trips. Donna finds her throwing stars and hits a dude right in the leg. So then everyone kind of you know separates. The two ninjas get different weapons that they want to use. All the while, we see uh, Estrada's loading up the remote helicopter with fucking little missiles. I felt like this battleground was set up ahead of time for them to have weapons to hide, or that weapons yeah. were already hidden for them and they had to go find them. Oh, I mean, I, I'm sure what happened was after the, we're, we're supposed to think after the call, they're disobeying orders. I'm sure they took the call and then told everyone, listen, let's just do this shit and win. So then uh, the ninjas, as I said, they grabbed these new weapons. Do you know what those are? There were nunchucks. Is that because they look bigger, like more special? Well, there was um, there was one guy had nunchucks, and then I think there was like a three section staff, which is a longer staff through the middle, and then sort of like nunchuck ends to them where they're hooked ah, together okay. with chains. And then the one thing that the guy had, um, it looks sort of like uh, the only thing that I know it as is like an Ariki Saki or whatever I think is how it's pronounced. I'm probably mispronouncing that horribly, and I'm I'm apologizing if I can, but it's basically a chain with a weight on both sides of it. Sometimes the chain will have like a a ball with like spikes on it or something similar to that and that was the martial art that he was doing with it where there was like 
various flags and stuff that were hanging off of this chain, but one end looked like it had some kind of a spike. And the idea is you get the momentum by spinning the chain around your body, and then you toss an end of it to do the damage with, or you will wrap it around your opponent's neck or capture their arm or something like that. But that was what that one device was. The other guy had like a nunchuck, and then I think he had a three-section staff, but you never see him use the three-section staff, just the nunchuck later. Yeah, it's uh, it's all a bit weird. Uh, but anyway, so they then track and they hear the girls um, talking in like this little shack and hear them like, oh, maybe they'll give up and oh, we never should have challenged Kane and all this kind of stuff. So like sounding really regretful and all that. So then the two of them bust in and we see that those are just mannequins playing a tape recorder. Then the ladies in Estrada use the helicopter and blow them to smithereens. Is it just me or did those guys have more than enough time to run the fuck out of that building, break apart and spread out to where even the helicopter shooting a missile at them would have a hard time getting them both? Oh yeah, they, they had enough time. It felt like 20 or 30 minutes of screen time. I know it wasn't, but it was a really long time. It was even enough time for Donna and Nicole to reach on either side of the remote when he's like, you know, it was supposed to be hand-to-hand combat combat and then something donna says like this is my yeah. hand combat this is my hand and yeah nicole did the same thing yeah that's my hand and then they teamed it together and hit the switch so it fired at the same time to kill them yeah so anyway uh mr miyagi gets informed of this latest of the absolute failure of uh of all this yeah his men suck the, yep and then the group meets and this becomes our final clip we start fresh tomorrow and try and nail Kane, right we know where he is now we traced him through a satellite phone transmission. We have him linked to one of our electronic tracking devices. And we persuaded Kane's companion Silk to cooperate with us. We've got a real lethal weapon working for us now. Relax. I have a surprise for you. Is this the microchip? Yes. I know what to do. I can't believe I lost the game. I'm so disgraced. I have this crystal for you. It will protect your soul's light force, forever keeping you safe. And if that doesn't work, I have other things in mind for you. What would I ever do without you? You'll never be without me. <laughs> Too bad we didn't locate Kane earlier. Yeah, we could have saved ourselves a lot of grief. Well, now that we do have him tagged, we go after him. No, not quite. We have other plans. Rico and I discussed this. We have Kane isolated. We'll know all his moves. We'll be able to trace him and his accomplices. By keeping him active, we can disrupt his ass anywhere in the world, at any time. Works for me. I love the action. Invincible federal agent by day, irresistible country western singer by night. <laughs> More or less. How do you feel about this, Shane? I can't get over it. I shot a duck. <laughs> Flying full speed. <laughs> I can verify that. It'll look good on your resume. Word from Washington is that everyone's resume looks good after this operation. I knew that. You knew that? I knew that. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Womp, womp, womp. Womp, womp. Roll credits. 
So the moral of the story is when you're Pat Morita, do not trust your side piece slash technical advisor with your life yeah, because they will was, turn on you in a heartbeat. I was about to say in that clip, um, she gives him a necklace with like this fucking uh, stone on it or something, uh, a crystal. And but she had gotten a tra- uh, tracking device, much like they did to Donna, and that is on his that's necklace she gave him. So and she was also going to stick with him because she's to turn state's evidence or whatever. It'd be hilarious yeah. if she shows up in the next movie as Donna's next partner who's in the witness protection program. <laughs> I mean, if it's not still Nicole, then I mean, I'd stop giving Donna witness protection protection people. They don't know how to get that done. Well, unless Nicole, you know, moves on and, you know, starts doing stuff elsewhere. I mean, we never really see what happens to Tara and they never explain what happens to Tara. And it's just all of a sudden Nicole's there and at first we're like whoa wait what who's this but by like the end of the first movie that nicole's there i'm all like all right i'm team nicole and by this movie i'm totally team nicole there's some amazing sequences that they did with nicole being completely badass and rivals donna for badassery almost yeah kind of i mean you're not wrong so um it's some amazing shit i'm sorry go ahead so overall, I feel Do or Die is a definitive step up from Guns, um, and I definitely enjoyed it more than the film before it. So it's, I mean, there's parts of this that I really, really liked. The globetrotting stuff kind of worked for me. Them running for their lives and being somewhat most dangerous game hunted by these teams of assassins was kind of cool. The computer stuff was a bit of a letdown, but I'm giving it an okay because, you know, I've seen much worse in movies around this time and even later for trying to make it seem like a computer tracking people uh pat marita very clearly is in like three or four rooms filming stuff and agreed to do this because a lady's rubbing naked body parts up against him and probably a paycheck right i mean i felt like he just got paid a naked lady rubbing up against him but you're also right he probably got some money i mean eventually you know come on he's mr miyagi can get any naked woman to probably rub up against him uh he plays a very cordial very rules oriented villain quite well um i feel like pat marita could have been an excellent bond villain if they would have given the chance I think so. I mean, I would never argue with Pat Murray's ability to act, and especially when you get him out of the Mr. Miyagi character, you know, yeah, I'm surprised he was never given an opportunity to be kind of a villainous character in an actually more, you know, an actual, I don't want to say actual movie, but, you know, in a, in a larger production. How about that? A movie with a larger budget or a bigger action type thing. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll give you a perfect example, right? The movie Tango and Cash. You yank Jack yeah. Palin's out of there. You throw Pat Morita in. What kind of a movie do you get? You get a really great movie, man. That'd be a fucking awesome movie. Because I will submit to you that Jack Palance is the worst part of Tango and Cash. It's unfortunate. Because you are my number one guy. <sighs> There'd be a lot less of that, at least. Yeah. Okay. Jack. Okay. Stop, or I will start singing Shoop at you again. Let's make a deal. <laughs> um, um yeah so go, go ahead yeah the movie has some really great moments the team aspect stuff is is great but there's a good en- there's a good portion of this that's like a giant fucking hangout film yeah i enjoyed the um believe it or not i enjoyed the plot of the movie i thought it was good you know instead of oh we have a whole nother case we have to solve it's something that got thrusted upon them to have to deal with um the best the, part you know, it's the best part of picasso trigger where they're running for their lives and someone's hunting them down like yeah, the stuff i enjoyed in picasso trigger is where they're running right before they rebound for the giant operation to take the people that are hunting them out yeah 
and I, I really liked, I thought the remote control vehicles were cool. Yeah, that sequence was really awesome. The, like, I was very impressed with the quarter scale to the point where I was like, man, I kind of want to go to one of these shows in the future if they exist. I would still. love to see one of those things. I've been to a, an actual air show, which is pretty cool as well. But yeah, to see a mini one would have to be pretty sweet. Especially in that scale, like when they have to be very specifically built to like a quarter of the scale or a third of the scale. There was like a quarter, a third, and I, th- I think they... they the smallest they said was a quarter was what they would accept. So it had to be above a quarter scale for the plane. And I know a few of them were bigger than a third, but I don't remember what that what that sizing was. But like you couldn't do like a half scale plane because that would just be ridiculous <laughs> if you were trying to build that. Yeah. So like a yeah, quarter could... to a third would probably be good. Yeah, I just I still I thought it was a it was a it was a great little sequence there. Um yeah, you know, it wasn't a bad movie. It, it, I could see that being a hangout movie. Hanging out with friends. Having a few, you know, having a few cocktails, having some fun. Maybe if you had to, you get a marijuana in you. I don't know. You do whatever you'd have to do. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely enjoyable. It was definitely fun to watch. And I think it's going to be high. It's definitely going to be higher on my list than Guns. And yes. I, I think this is one that I definitely, I still enjoyed it more than Malibu Express. And Guns was the I, first I, one I, that I, I didn't. Yeah, so. I probably enjoyed this second most of everything. I'm pretty close on that it's like second or third i think i for enjoyment still my favorite (laughs) that's really odd to me because like high ticket to hawaii is still my favorite picasso (laughs) would be second and i think this would be a very close third well i mean everyone's different yeah we've we've all got different choices that we have to make but as long as we both agree that malibu express is the second to worst we're fine yeah second to i'll I'll be with that second to worst yeah (laughs) (laughs) and guns so far is both of our least favorite we were both very disappointed in guns itself yeah guns is just the worst fucking one out of there right now (laughs) but there you go man we are bounding ever closer to the appearance of julie strain and then these movies get taken up a notch yeah, does it jump up a notch a little bit there? Yeah, totally. Because Julie Strain is like a whole shit ton of fun in everything she's in. I'm clearly, right, I'm clearly a huge Julie Strain fanboy. You, you really are, man. You're selling me here. Okay, she is a lady who bills herself as six foot tall and worth the climb. Damn. <laughs> All right then. That's like in her bio, like a description of her. She's like, I'm six foot tall and worth the climb. I'm like, fuck yes, you are, Julie Strain. You're awesome. <laughs> All right. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Jesus. So we're yeah. going to take a little break here. We're going to play the promo for Corrupted Youth. We'll have a little bit more music that fits right in with that 80s, 90s synthwave sound. When we come back, we'll do some PSYOP news. Taste colors beyond any known spectrum as phonic euphoria cascades into your consciousness. Observe the laws of physics no longer applying to an existence that confines. Space and time will unravel and reform to a screaming new dawn, bursting with infinite possibility. It's as easy as listening to the Corrupted Youth Podcast, where the father-son duo of Dan and Brennan explore the latest blockbusters, classic genre films, and the schlockiest of Golden Age VHS rental store flicks in spoiler-heavy fashion. Corrupted Youth Podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Take a break from reality, unlock your infinite cosmic potential, and become a dongle. 
got sucked into that. I was having so much fun. I'm out here yeah. fucking like robo dancing and shit. Why not? <laughs> because I don't know how to do the robot properly. Domorigato, Mr. Roboto. Don't make me shoop, shoop, bedoop, shoop, bedoop, bedoop, bedoop. Just do the intro, will you? Here I go, here I go. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I walked right into that. Well, here you go and give me some psyops. found this one on my own. Bullshit. You stole it from somebody. I nah, found it. Found it? Swear? Mm-hmm. Austrian man fined for farting with full intent at police. Ooh, is that me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? <laughs> in Berlin, a man in Vienna has been fined 500 euros for breaking wind loudly in front of police. He literally they farts move. in their general direction. You wanted to he literally did. A move that the Australian Capitals Police Force was at pains to defend on Tuesday. My asshole actually sweat. The ostrich newspaper reported that the fine stemmed from an incident on June 5th and that the offender was fined for offended offending public decency. And earn your rectal passage. Booty juice, booty juice, gotta have it now. City police wrote on Twitter that, of course, no one was reported for accidentally letting one go. They added that the man had behaved provocatively and uncooperatively during the encounter with officers that preceded the incident. What's with all that asshole creep? He got up from a park bench, looked at the officers, and quoted, this is quote, Let go a massive intestinal wind, apparently with full intent. I wasn't going to go shoulder deep for real. I'm going to repeat that one because it's fun. Quote, let go a massive intestinal wind, apparently with full intent. Does this make quote. me gay? They <laughs> they also say that uh, their colleagues do not like to be farted at so much. Put it in the butt. Put it in the butt. Police noted that this decision could be appealed. <laughs> so, so he do literally not fart f- with purpose. Yeah, do not do not fart with purpose. Do not fart in someone's general direction on purpose. On pur- with purpose. Yeah. Yeah. With malicious intent. But is it farting around anybody? Malicious intent? Never know anybody who goes, oh, I accidentally let a fart loose. No, everyone farts around other people to be like, ha wait till you smell it. <laughs> not everyone is trying to unleash silent but deadly. Some people are trying to be polite and will not fart in someone else's general direction. Exactly. I'm saying, if you do fart around other people, you have malice in your heart. Everyone does. Yeah, if you are farting in someone's general direction. Now, if you purposely try to turn it away from everyone or, like, bury it deeper into the couch cushion or whatever it is that you're going to do right before you let one rip, you are trying to be a polite member of society. (laughs) Farting appropriately. Right. I mean, there's ways to fart appropriately. And personally, I think aiming it at a cop is probably the right decision. To help the police. To hell with the police. <laughs> Jesus. All cops are but, bumbling dummies. I mean, it's getting more and more that way lately. Uh, I just think that this guy's form of um, anti-police protest is kind of talking out of his ass. <laughs> you know what, though? It got the job done, didn't it? <laughs> hey, and it got us a news story in here quick enough to wrap up the show. I'm more than satisfied what? with this asshole terrorism. Me too. <laughs> Gonna take the final break here. We're gonna play the ending Legion show promo. When we come back, we're gonna have some dark wave synth. 
If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. Synthwave, particularly the dark wave of synth. The darkest of synth waves. Yes, the most, the wretched and darkest of synth waves. If you'd like to find the most wretched and darkest of podcasters, the best place for that is our landing slash launching page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. If you would also like yeah. to join the darkest of synthwave groups, well, not really synthwave, but well, not even really all that dark. It's a fun time for you weirdos and freaks that are just like us. If you felt like you never found a place that you really quite fit in, the Cinema PsyOps Facebook group may just be the place for you. Yeah. And if you can't fit in there, well, there's probably another group. The internet's a big place. Just trust. You'll find something. Right. I mean, if we're not your particular fit, that doesn't mean that you won't fit in anywhere else. Yeah. It just means I mean, that you're the, not our type of weirdo. It's the internet. Trust me. There's a place for everyone. Yeah. Uh, even a weirdo like you. There's a place for you. Even if we're not the place for you. But we yeah. were really trying to be. We're as inclusive we as we love, can be. We would love to be the place for you, uh, for your brand of weirdness. We would love to be that. If you kind of want to check to see what type of brand of weirdness we are, are, there is our Facebook pages. I am Court Psyops on Facebook, and he is Matt Psyop, even though he never really checks it. I checked him even in talks to doing a guest spot on another show. Just got to find the time on the calendar to make it right. Oh, yeah, you did message him back. Good for yep. you. Yep, yep, yep. Well, you can so. email feedback to Matt and try and schedule him on your show, psyopmatt at gmail.com. And then if he doesn't respond to you there or at Messenger, let me know, and I will be levying punitive tariffs upon him. That's, that's weird. 
<laughs> right. Somehow I have to pay higher taxes and I'm punishing you. That doesn't make any sense at all. But Yeah, that, I, don't, I don't know what's going on, but okay. Yeah, that seems extremely <laughs> stupid. If you would like to explain to me how punitive tariffs actually hurt the people that I am levying <laughs> it against in my own nation, you can email me at cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com with your economic theories. But as I really go with my gut on everything, I'm not going to listen to you anyway. No, no. I mean, and you run Barter Town. What are they going to tell you? You can also twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shitfest that knows a lot more about economic theory and tariffs than you do. That is Twitter. I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. It's Twitter. They know everything, including how to be a hate-filled shitfest. They really are the best at that. Yes. If you're getting bored at looking at all of the hot alt models that are on the gram of Insta and would much rather check out all the memes that I have stolen for our people to repurpose and share. There are memes. You didn't steal anything. You just are repurposing our memes. The memes belong to the people on our Instagram page, cinema underscore psyops. And while you're out there trying to level your own tariffs, figure out your own economic theories, and possibly still really pissed off at all of those quote-unquote influencers on the gram of Insta and that weird blackface thing they tried to pull, kick the fuck out of them and this week and make it your bitch. What's up? Am I blowing out your eardrums or it sounds okay? No, it sounds fine. All right, I made a couple of adjustments. I recorded with somebody over the weekend for a guest spot, so I had to kind of put things back. Because when I'm doing the guest spot, I don't necessarily always record on my side. Yeah, I got you. All right, so I got everything switched over. I just want to make sure it's playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. You're you're doing the Lord's work here. So anyway. Wrong friend. Oh, yeah. You're doing the, the, the Satan's work, right? You also called me dumbass. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Fuck. My brain's so fucking scattered right now. You want to hit that again? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're doing the Lord's work there, uh, Court. (laughs) You did like a hybrid of mighty fine work there, Lou, and then my name, but you used somebody else's name. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, I did. I was, it was pretty much I was going to do Mighty Fine Police there, work, Lou, and then I decided I was going to change it up midway. Don't change up your punchline of your joke midway through. It's never going to go right. <laughs> so I says to him, wrecked him, damn near killed him. So I, so I said to him, wrecked him, damn near got him an insurance claim. Wait, what? <laughs> and think, he, that's not what? And he says to me, damn it, man, that's not a shoehorn. That's a lift. <laughs> and... I mean, don't let us devolve into dad jokes on this show. That's just going to be that'll be the next thing. We're both loopy <laughs> as fuck from this weekend, apparently. 
We're I'm loopy as fuck from already this week, uh, and it's Monday. But yeah, this kind of weekend. Uh, my wife's getting ready to go in for some dental surgery tomorrow. So, uh, and it has not been a fun past five days for her for the reason causing this dental surgery. So, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun over here. <laughs> She's taking it out on you, isn't she? She's not. No, I just don't like seeing her in that kind of pain. Uh, Blink twice if she's hitting you, Matt. (laughs) Show me on the doll. Uh, But actually, uh, 100%, like, because I know I've had, like, some severe teeth issues in my life. And so I know the pain she's going through. And that shit sucks. If I had Dr. Who saying that there was a laser chip and explaining how cool the laser chip actually is, then I would buy it. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. That's real science. (laughs) (laughs) That's real science fiction. I can believe there you go. Gee, it's not that weird science because that's just for creeps. And sexist um, as fuck. Yes. I mean, it's it's all for just terribleness. Unless you're talking the comic book weird science from back in the day, which you're probably still not wrong well, about it being for creeps and sexist, but it was a comic never, book that I love. I don't know about that one, so I can't say. I was talking about the movie, which is creepy and sexist, which <laughs> it, it would actually just just greatly describe the 80s in general creepy and sexist yeah but anytime you try to call them on it the 80s automatically their defense mat is come on come on yeah it's really like, come, come, come on come on come on and we always go all right 80s you scamp <laughs> no i don't say all right i go 80s that was wrong yeah yeah well no we do but most everyone else lets them get away with it because those people are also looking at us going, well, yeah, come on. Come on, guys. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and here at Cinema PsyOps, we've been banned from the All-Valley Karate Tournament, so yeah, yeah, we will yeah. not so, be coming on. No, we won't be. Fuck them. Uh, and uh, fuck that kid's mom. Uh, I did. So You did? Nice. Good. Did you yell, get him a body bag when you're done? <laughs> <laughs> get yeah. her a body bag. Oh, they just run out of the house. No, I just walked out and said, hey, kid, your mom's going to need a towel on the way out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I threw her one of your dad's shirts, but she didn't care for it. <laughs> oh, man. So now we're weird and creepy. Uh, <laughs> Cinema PsyOps, a weird and creepy show for morons. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's who we are. <laughs> well, whatever. We all know that you spread your cheeks for Bruce under the name of Mike Honcho. You know, if I was younger, sure. But God, I'm so old now. I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> I'm an old man now, you know. <laughs> the anus does not rebound as much as it used to in your younger days. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> your days of taking rubber fists are over. See, I knew you read my blog. Only occasionally when I'm really, really bored. Yeah. In the dark times, in the night times, in the fuzzy fun times. Or you need to be turned on. Same yeah, same. yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're kind of on the same page here. Let's move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're starting to really dive ourselves out around here. Uh, <laughs> I guess what we're trying to say is we're into what Bruce has to offer. We're just not into allowing Bruce into us for that yeah, offer. Yeah, exactly. God damn it. What am I supposed to know? Jesus Christ. Whatever. <laughs> so, uh, fucking I just lost my spot. So, he is like really big time into it. He's like that super stuffed shirt conservative guy that's like always telling everybody else he doesn't want to go to that club with you that you and the other boys go to every fucking Friday, you know, where you spend dollars and ladies rub body parts on you. And then somehow you finally talk him into it and then he just goes nuts. And then from there on out, he's there every 
fucking night spending yeah. money on all of them and you're like what have we done that's eric estrada's character in this he spends his mortgage <laughs> right so basically he's what you were when we first met oh how dare you i didn't have a mortgage uh <laughs> no because you spent all the money on the freaking strippers when we first met i was in a weird spot in life. um I like how you're not like fuck you that's not true you're like fuck you that's true well when we met i was i was in a bad spot what do you want uh you're being really mean right now you're judging me i can feel your judgment no you have totally and completely turned your life around under fear of being beaten to death by your wife yeah that's how we all do it right i mean that's marriage motherfucker uh well yeah you didn't have to be so fucking obvious about it some people are still ready to take that plunge Oh, yeah, yeah. You guys should totally still get married. Right, right. Best decision you will ever fucking make because our wives may actually hear this part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, I'm just so happy. We're, all, everyone's happy. I'm a happily uh, married man. I'm a very happily married man. Blink twice if you're being hit. Do you, do you have a gun to your head too? No. Oh, okay. Just me then. Uh, what is it, knife? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lucas, E.D., Shane, and the new agent, uh, 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 what was her name? Um, Atlanta? Or Atlantis? Or, Gigantis? Uh, Gigantis? What? Well, because I mean, of her huge boobs. That's not, uh, but not a bad way of putting it, because, uh, yeah. So <laughs> It may be a sexist way of putting it, which is also bad. Yes, that is. Everything's bad. Why are you doing bad things, Court? Because <laughs> I'm a bad man. Are you, are you a bad man, Court? I'm a bad <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, slow down. Uh, Just ask that kid who said, yeah, get him a body bag. Yeah, get him a body bag. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a total motherfucker. And that's what, that's what Court looks at. He goes, no, you gotta get me a dick bag because I don't want to get your mom pregnant with your new little brother. <laughs> but I don't want to pay for a full-fledged condom, so just get a sandwich bag and a twist sticks. So we're going to make this work. <laughs> hefty, hefty, hefty. Whippy, whippy, whippy. And that's probably because the power of that fucking sweet Lorenzo Lamas-looking mullet he has. It must be. Yeah, I always keep thinking like someone's going to yell out there can be only one. <laughs> yeah, that's not Lorenzo Lamas but okay i kind of oh, get what I thought you're going that with. was uh no i'm thinking of a different guy from the highlander tv show I'm, yeah you're thinking I'm adrian thinking paul i need yeah. to think renegade yeah. for uh yeah adrian paul had a full-fledged like full like long glorious hair that he pulled into a ponytail yeah for some reason it always looked like a mullet at first before you realize he had a full head of hair right well and lorenzo lamas did pull his mullet into a ponytail so i see where you get that confusion they kind of look the same i'm just saying but you're right so this guy's busy trying to be renegade right but as far as i know adrian paul may be the person to more pattern your life after because i don't think he's ever been accused of beating his wife whereas lamas no, has as far as we know but uh maybe you shouldn't pattern your life after any celebrity what i, I know right that's shit's insane it's I, I chose i chose tom hanks you, you chose tom hanks yeah i want to be more like tom hanks i mean that's that's admirable actually that's all right <laughs> and, <laughs> that's and, not and also mr rogers too yeah you know that would uh, not be half bad mr rogers is probably the best hmm? best choice for that i want to be the mr rogers for perverted miscreants and morons that's not that's not stop that don't you can't do that <laughs> <laughs> don't sh rogers shame me i don't know where don't, i'm going with this i, I don't either we're, we're okay we're losing track yeah, let's we're move fucking on. losing we're yeah. losing fucking tread we've lost anyway, the plot he, worse than do or die yeah right <laughs> He's like, nuns, nuns, baseball bats, baseball bats, and that's how he doesn't get an erection, where that's how you do get an erection. Nuns and baseball bats? Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, see, let's say, just saying. <laughs>
<laughs> a nun crucified so, on a bunch of baseball bats that are duct taped together? Yeah, that's how I get off. Yeah. Flip. That's a flip. <laughs> still really pissed off at all of those quote-unquote influencers on the gram of insta and that weird blackface thing they tried to pull kick the fuck out of them and this week and make it your bitch <laughs> that was so fucking dumb <laughs> that was fucking weird <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like a segue whenever george bush hops on it it doesn't quite work yeah, but it's yeah. still funny yeah yeah exactly <laughs> fucking right. a. i'm done all right man and i am i am done as well